Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church's podcast. But I fear that we think that God sometimes only speaks in the middle of the storms that are taking place around us. When the earthquakes, when the earth is moving and the fire is falling, God can only speak when those times and sometimes God just wants to get you in a place where he can whisper to you something that will totally change your life. God had used Elijah in a lot of different ways, in some very powerful ways, but it took getting in him into a place, amen, where he could be quiet enough, where he could be still enough, where he could call upon the name of the God of the God that he served in a way that God could finally get him a place to say, okay, now I can just move through you to anoint others. And immediately Elijah goes down and he begins to anoint others with the same anointing that God has put upon his life. And God began to move through others the way that he moved through Elijah. man can't take any credit outside of the fact that it takes a man to stand in and be the conduit for God's power to move Elijah was a very very strong prophet of God it would seem that there was nothing that he was fearful of if you read the story of many of the occurrences that took place during his life you'll see that he was not afraid to go up step into what we would consider an unfair fight 400 prophets of Baal and one man of God but from our standpoint I say I feel sorry for those 400 prophets of Baal it was so unequally matched they didn't stand a chance because one plus God is more than enough for any battle you'll ever face. He was a man that was not prone to being fearful, but there was a time in his life where he was fearful. And I wonder if he would kind of relate to this quote that I read just not too long ago that says more often than not, being brave just means doing it scared. <laughs> you military people can definitely pick up on that one. You got bullets whizzing over your head. You got a sergeant screaming in your face. You know, sometimes we just push on ahead. It doesn't mean that we're not fearful. As a matter of fact, we would not be human if we were not fearful. It simply means that we push on ahead and we push through the fear that we feel. The point in time that I'm going to read this scripture today, Elijah is worn out, he's weary, and he's frightened. Things always seem worse than they are when you're tired. (laughs) And that's where we find him today. He's worn out, he's weary, and he's frightened. Just, uh, not too long ago, I had a very difficult day. I've been beat up in several different types of ways, verbally and 
just things that had happened to me over the course of that day and I felt like I was holding my own pretty good I got home and my wife she she gave me some more information and that information upset me her information was not incorrect it, she wasn't wrong in, in what she was wanting to do but 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 I was already weary I was already worn out and I was tired and frustrated and slightly feeling insecure and so I went to bed that night and I got up the next morning and when I got up the next morning I completely completely felt different than I did the night before it wasn't that I didn't know that she was already right the night before it was just the fact that I was tired brother Jones I was already kind of beat up she didn't intend to add to that she was just simply relating the message to me and the next day I, I woke up and, and I went directly to her and I said listen what you said last night I'm sorry about the way I kind of reacted and I expressed that that right there I said I just I just had enough I didn't scream at her or holler or we didn't get in a fist fight I would lose that one in a heartbeat I got enough sense to not get in a physical altercation with her. She's five foot one, but she's feisty. I'm telling you, you see it in her eyes. I love my wife. I, I love her wisdom. I, I, I love her love for God. I love her faithfulness. But sometimes when you're tired, everything looks dark and dreary. You just need to find a place of rest to be able to let God calm you down and change everything. And I will say that from that point on, everything has turned around. And the things that I feared and the things that made me feel insecure, I found out that God has taken care of a lot of those things already and has not only brought that secure feeling back, but has even added to it. Let me read for you to today the uh, scripture text first kings 19 and 4 but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness speaking of elijah he came and sat down under a juniper tree and he requested for himself that he might die now that's really tired <laughs> that's really weary take me now god but I guarantee you, there have been maybe a few in this room that you've maybe said that, God, if it ain't going to get any better than this, why don't you just take me? You don't have to raise your hands or say amen to that. Just know that I'm speaking to you today, or the Word of God is. Elijah said, it is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. See, there's times when I believe when we sleep where God can come in and minister to us while we're resting, while we're sleeping. The angel said, Get up and eat. And he looked and behold, there was a cake that was baked on the coals, a cruise of water at his head. He ate and he drank and he laid back down again. The angel of the Lord came again the second time, touched him and said, Arise and eat because the journey is too great for thee. We'll touch on that just a little bit later. Once again, Elijah gets up, he eats and he drinks. And the Bible says he went in the strength of that meal for 40 days and 40 nights unto Horeb, the Mount of God. 
When he got there, he came unto a cave and lodged there. Behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? And Elijah said, I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword, and I, even I, only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. At this point, I'm saying, what's the big deal? You're asking God to kill you anyway. But see, he's starting to think a little different here. He said, go forth, stand upon the mount before the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind, wind rent the mountains and break it in pieces and rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. I just want to preach to you. I know you've been standing for a while. I'm going to let you be seated. Sometimes God whispers. In the quietness and the stillness, when you're worn out and you're weary. Let your ears be attuned to the voice of the Lord. Sometimes God will whisper, Precious Savior, use your word today to heal a heart that's on the edge of breaking. God, to touch a life, God, that is weary and worn out and tired of dealing with everything that is thrown at them on an everyday basis and open our ears to hear you today for I feel that you are going to speak in a still small voice to hearts all across this room today and when we leave here we will have a new direction would you say in Jesus name you may be seated today I oftentimes bring up my secular job because uh, there's so many lessons that I've learned over the years from just paying attention and uh, comical things, things that are more serious, things that apply to life, things that I can use. And that's the case today. I'm going to use a, a story or two to try to relate this message to you today. That's what Jesus did. He used parables that were relevant in their day to speak to people about the things that they could relate to. And so today, uh, I just want to start by talking about uh, how many times over the years working for FedEx that I have been lost. More times than I could count, and I don't like being lost. But more than not liking being lost, I don't like to admit that I'm lost. And all the men say, Amen. <laughs> Haven't we gone by there already three times, honey? I know exactly where I'm at. I'm just trying to get my bearings. I, you know, we don't like to admit when we're lost. And there have been many times, especially early on in my career, when I would be in an area where uh, I might not have maps for a specific area of, of the route that I was on and 
back in those days, we didn't have GPS, you know, to tell us which way to go. And even these days, sometimes there are certain parts of uh, the routes that you might go on where your phone may not be able to connect. And so you're still driving around not really knowing where you're at. And there have been many times when I didn't have anything for directions and I would come up on a road that was closed for one reason or another and I might know that I was getting close uh, close to my destination but but all of a sudden uh, maybe due to a flood or uh, a road closure or construction they had a part of road closed down and you were not able to get through it's one thing when you're in town or in the city and you can just go the next block down but but I'm not always in a town Uh, sometimes I'm way out in rural areas and there's no maps and there's no help and there's no cell phone connections you're looking at a dead end so to speak but you know that the destination is there and just because there's a blockage in the road doesn't mean that the package doesn't have to be delivered you know I don't get the luxury of going back to my boss and and saying boss I would have made the delivery but but there was a road that was blocked and so I just had to turn around and come back it doesn't really work that way What we deliver a lot of times is medication or important things that people are waiting on, people uh, they need it. And it's not always just, just, uh, uh, you know, something simple that they purchased uh, for pleasure. Sometimes there's uh, total businesses that are closed down and waiting on a part or there's medication or something uh, that needs to be delivered. And so you can't just stop just because the road has been blocked. But oftentimes I've been in situations where I didn't know how to get around. So I developed this little system where I would just go back to the closest road and I would begin to drive in the general direction of the place that I needed and was trying to get to until I came across another road that would possibly take me across or around the area that was blocked and finally get to my destination. It was always frustrating at the time because I would feel like that that road being blocked was putting me behind. I'm built to be in a hurry. I've been trained to, to, to be efficient, to go as fast as I possibly can to get the job done quickly and get that delivery off so you can get on to the next one and get back home and to your wife and your children and your grandchildren and, and everything that, that is home to me. I, I'm, I'm anxious to get home and so I like to get things done quickly and so I would be frustrated that something might cost me 15, 20, 30 minutes or more just to get around an area that was blocked in the road. What I found over the years is, though, that after, after I had gotten to my destination, I always had this incredible feeling, this this sense of satisfaction satisfaction to know that now I knew more than one route to get to the destination. I now knew an alternate route. I now knew that there was a a way around the blockage there that was in the road. And if I were to come again to that same spot, now I didn't have to flounder. Now I didn't have to wonder. Now I didn't have to fret about which way to go. Now I knew how to get on around the blockage and get to the place that I was trying to go. 
May I submit to you today that there will be times in your walk and your relationship with God where you will come upon places in your life where you will find a roadblock in your life. You will find a place where you thought and you can almost see the destination. You can almost see where it is that you're trying to go, but you are blocked for whatever reason. Don't give up because God will always make a way for you to get to where you're trying to go. There's more than one way to get down this road called life and if you're blocked if you're uh, if there's a roadblock in your way you continue to search until you find a way around I like to come to the pulpit every time that I minister with a destination in mind with a specific goal that I feel a message is intended for sometimes it's a more specific goal and it's narrowed down and sometimes it's more generalized sometimes I feel like this could touch an entire congregation it's for an entire group and other times I feel like this may not leave too many of you too much in all but the one two or three that need this need to hear what I have to say but it's rare that I ever step to a pulpit without knowing what God is trying to get us to God's been good to me to let me know the direction that he wants us to go. But there have been times when God has taken us off of the beaten path, the well-worn path, and taken us down some places that are not quite so paved, that are not quite so nice, that are not quite so smooth. And I'm talking about us as a church, as a congregation, but you can probably probably relate to this in your own personal walk with God. It, it's a beautiful thing when the road is smooth, but God does not always let us stay on the easy road. A few weeks ago, I was way out in the country, and I could see my destination. I was following GPS, and it took me down a nice Nice road, but then it said make a right in 400, 300, 200, 60 foot. And I looked at where it told me to make a right, and I said, hmm, this doesn't look so good, but I don't really want to waste the time to go all the way around to the other. I knew that, that there was an alternate road, but I thought, I think I can make this. That's a bad thing to say to yourself. <laughs> I think I can make this down this road. And so without any further thought, because I knew if I thought about it too much longer, I would have turned around. Away I went down this road, and I was not 15 to 20 foot down this road before I realized that I, I, I might have made a mistake here. It was muddy. It was bumpy. I was sliding. The mud was heavy and thick, and, and I, I was moving forward, and the first thing I did was I hit a, a, a big hole, and it bounced me so high up in the, in, 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 off the seat of that truck that I literally hit my head on the roof of the truck, jarred my neck. I wanted to stop, but I was too scared, and so I just kept pressing on the gas. The back end of that truck kept sliding sideways. I promise you, I, I, if I'm lying, I'm dying right here. I, I, was, I went the whole thing, almost the entire stretch, probably 
a half a mile down this road sideways like this. My front end was up in the middle of the road. My back end was down in the ditch. And I just kept on a chugging, praying, God, <laughs> keep this truck moving. If, I, if it stops, I, I'm dead in the water here. I'm going to have to make that embarrassing phone call to the boss. And then they're going to send somebody out here. And he's going to look at what I tried to do, and he's, he's going to say, you know what, i got a good mind to just leave you there. If you're that dumb to try that road, <laughs> you do a lot of things when it's not your own vehicle. <laughs> that old truck just kept on a moving, bouncing, slinging mud. I was so happy to see the other side of that road to make it. I got up there, and the, the person came to the door to receive their package, and I, I wanted to tell them the whole story, but I was too embarrassed. You don't know what I did to get here. I wanted to give them a big hug like, like I, they were a long-lost friend because I thought I'd never see them. <laughs> the old FedEx truck was muddy. I mean, caked with mud. I was so thrilled. I was going to be embarrassed. I was not going to pull that truck back in the, into the into the uh, the warehouse on that Saturday and let that mud all dry on there. I, I knew I was going to have to run by someplace and and wash that truck, or I was going to get questioned about what in the world did you do. Fortunately, it began to rain later on that day, and it got most of it off, and I I just let it go. I made it. In life, we like to travel on the freeway. We like to travel the quickest route. We like to travel uh, the way that's going to get us there the fastest and the smoothest. And we find ourselves sometimes off on a road that is muddy and bumpy and full of holes and we're wondering if we're going to make it and we're just barely moving just trying to stay out of the ditch and that's where Elijah is at enter Elijah into this picture right here Elijah was well known. Elijah knew that God was with him. He, this wasn't his first rodeo. He had seen God just, just come down out of heaven with, with a bolt of fire and consume an offering. And he had just defeated 400 prophets of Baal. He just come off a victory. Elijah was basically cruising through on the Autobahn. If you don't know what the Autobahn is, the Autobahn is a German highway where you can basically crank out about as fast as you can go. I mean, they just, it, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great highway and you get on that highway and you better not be doing 40 and 45 on the Autobahn. You better be kicking it up. As a matter of fact, I think the, the, the speed limit is at least 80 on the Autobahns. You get over there, you better be ready to move. Grandma, get out of the way. You better figure out how to merge or you're going to get run over. That's where Elijah had been. He, he, he was moving fast and he had many miracles to his credit. He had raised the dead. He called fire down from heaven. He even seemed to have power with God to control the rain and stop the rains. This was his life. He was on the fast track. It made him some enemies, I know that, but he knew that God was with him. 
And he had a power with God. But right here, God is getting ready to teach him a lesson about muddy back roads and potholes. He's about ready to say, right here in 800, 400, 200 feet, I want you to take a right. And when Elijah gets there, he looks down that road and said, God, is it, wouldn't it be better if I just stayed on the road that I'm on? But God had a different direction to take him down. One that wasn't so pretty. One that was going to slow him down a little bit. One that was going to cause him to get dirty. One he didn't know if he would be able to continue on. <clears throat> Sometimes God needs to, us to see things from a different point of view so we can appreciate things and know that we can still get to where we're trying to go even if the road that we're on is blocked. And even if the road that we're on that he calls us to is hard to get down. Seemingly impossible to navigate. So he's there and he is listening to the voice of the Lord. He steps out And something gets his attention. There's a great wind. It just rips the mountain that he's on apart. Rocks are falling and lightning is flashing. The winds are coming in. And, and there's, a, I mean, God, if you want my attention, you got it. Here I am. But God wasn't in the wind. He's not there very long before the ground starts to tremble. Once again, I'm sure rocks began to fall again. The mountain shook. And he's like, I hear you, Lord. But the Bible says that God was not in the earthquake either. And if that wasn't enough, a fire breaks out. At this point, I'm thinking, where in the world are you, Elijah? That all of this crazy wild stuff would take place. And I'm thinking, he's on a muddy road. He's in a difficult place. He's in a place where he expects God to speak one way and he expects to hear from God in one way and God takes three ways and doesn't speak through any of them. He remains silent. I fear that sometimes, especially in the apostolic Pentecostal ranks, that we get the idea that God can only speak in the middle of a blowout service or a conference or a special gathering or when the evangelist comes or when the preacher preaches the right right message or when the the musicians hit the right notes and when they sing that certain song we we get to thinking that God is going to change us right in the middle of all that in the middle of all that's going on and the wind and the fire of the Holy Ghost is moving and I'm not saying that God doesn't I know that God speaks in times like that but I fear that we think that God sometimes oh, 
only speaks in the middle of the storms that are taking place around us. When the earthquakes, when the earth is moving and the fire is falling, God can only speak when those times and sometimes God just wants to get you in a place where he can whisper to you something that will totally change your life. When you're in your prayer closet, nobody's around, and you don't have the words to say, and you're saying, God, I don't know how much more of this I can take. If it's not going to get any better than this, Lord, I don't see how I can continue living. If this is the way it's going to be, God, why don't you just take me now? And it gets quiet. And all of a sudden, God speaks to you in a way that you can't fathom. And he whispers, what will change you? It wasn't a booming voice that shouted from heaven. It was in the quietness that God made a big change. A change that stirred Elijah a change that stirred a nation. It was a change that caused an anointing to begin to flow from the hands of God's prophet. Wasn't God moving already? I mean, look at the miracles. Look at the, the raising of the dead and the calling down of fire. Wasn't God moving already? There's a difference between God using you to perform a miracle and God getting you into the place where an anointing can flow through you. Where he can use you to change what's going on around you. It's easy to get caught up in the miracles. But miracles can never replace the flow of of an anointed life that overflows into other lives. Look what happens here. First Kings 19 and 14. He's finally in a place where the Lord begins to speak. He's been visited by angels. He's been fed by angels. He's been directed by angels. But now God and he are having a conversation. He says, I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant. They've thrown down your altars, slain your prophets with the sword, and I'm the only one that's left. And they seek me to take away my life. Elijah's saying, I'm all by myself here, God. Everybody's abandoned you. They're not listening to me. They don't care about your word. They, they, they care more about their idolatrous ways. and They don't much care. But what he forgot was what had just happened out up on the mountaintop. Amen. A lot of minds were already changing. And God had something going on that even Elijah could not comprehend because he had fallen into such a pit of despair and self-pity. 
God finally has him in a place now. The Lord said unto him, Go, return on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when thou comest, anoint Haziel to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, shalt thou anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abimelech, shalt thou anoint to be prophet in thy room. You see, God had used Elijah in a lot of different ways, in some very powerful ways, but it took getting in him into a place, amen, where he could be quiet enough, where he could be still enough, where he could call upon the name of the God, of the God that he served in a way that God could finally get him a place to say, okay, now I can just move through you to anoint others. And immediately Elijah goes down and he begins to anoint others with the same anointing that God has put upon his life. And God began to move through others the way that he moved through Elijah. The anointing took place only after Elijah took the journey to a place that was very uncomfortable and he got close enough to hear God whisper. You shout when people are far away. Hey, Brother Frankie. <laughs> How you doing, Brother Jones? When somebody's close, when they're drawn in close, there's no need to shout. There's no need to be noisy. Sometimes we miss the anointing because we only know God from a distance. But we've not drawn into a place and let him take, a, take us down some roads. We want to stay on the highway. We want to get there quick. We want it to be easy. And God says, make a left right here and hold on to yourself because it's about to get bumpy. Strap yourself in. Miracles come and go. Let our music come today. Miracles are exciting and propelling. We like to get up and shout about the miracles. <laughs> They serve a purpose. They really do. Miracles are, are great source of, a source of faith building. We love to, before we pray, talk about something that's happened. You know, so-and-so got the good report. They called him in and they said, we don't know what to tell you, but, but that, that cancer was that, that was there is now gone. And we don't know how to explain it. And we will shout it from the mountaintops. And that's good. And we should. Because it drives us forward and it propels us. And sometimes that's what God wants us to do. I believe that God doesn't always want us off on an unbeaten path. But there are times when he wants us to move forward very quickly. There's a quick work that needs to be done. Somebody that we maybe only have one chance at or need to hear today. And God will very rapidly move us forward. But there are times when God has to slow us down. There are times when a miracle is not what's needed. There are times when only an anointing will work.
if God never uses me to lay my hands upon another human being and watch them be healed so be it but God I must have your anointing God I know that my flesh wants to stay on the easy road but if it takes a few potholes getting a little mud slung on me being bounced around jarred if it makes me pray oh God keep me moving forward I, it feels like I'm getting nowhere I'm just barely moving I get, I'm giving it everything that I've gotten if I was out there on the highway right now and giving it this much gas I'd be moving at full speed but I, I'm giving it everything I got and I'm just barely creeping along and God says you're still moving forward if that's what it takes to receive the anointing so that others might receive that same anointing and God help us to be willing to travel that road I want to be able to hear him whisper want the only times that I ever hear from God to be when he's got to use his booming thunderous voice I want to hear what he sounds like when he whispers FedEx sent me into an area that was unfamiliar to me told my boss I said wouldn't you rather use me in a place that I know he said well I, w I would but he said I need you to do this I wasn't happy about it my first reaction was just to try to get out of it to go someplace where I knew someplace I was comfortable with someplace I was familiar with and I found myself I'll never forget it struggling to find the destination but I looked at the package and I realized that it was something that was extremely important so I stopped what I was doing I was lost I was in the general vicinity but I, I couldn't find where I was trying to go there was a number on the package and I took a chance and I called the number this sweet little old lady answered on the other end of the phone. And I said, ma'am, this is, this is Doug. I'm, I'm your FedEx courier. And I, I'm having a little trouble finding where you're located at. I, I, I'm in the general vicinity, but she said, oh, all you have to do is come this way and make a left here. I'm this such and such a house. And I said, I should be able to find it again, but I said, if your phone rings again, please pick it up. <laughs> if I have any more trouble, I'll be calling you back. It's never a problem to ask God for help to get you where He wants you to be already, where He's expecting you to arrive. See, I didn't irritate her or annoy her. 
she was looking forward to receive that ring at her door. There was an expectation. It was a beautiful neighborhood. Stately homes, majestic trees, made even more beautiful by the changing of the leaves on that beautiful fall day. What I didn't realize in my distractions of trying to find my way that I had been ascending the entire time. It didn't feel like it. I couldn't really tell. But I was climbing higher and higher, just like Elijah when the angel told him, "Go, I want you to go here. Where did he send him to? He sent him to a place that he had to climb up to a mountaintop. I was distracted by everything that was going on around me and yet the whole time not realizing it, I had been climbing higher and higher. And I'll never forget rounding a certain curve and I saw something that took me by surprise, the glistening of sun off of a big body of water. And I stopped the truck and I backed up. I, where am I? When I backed up and looked through that clearing, you could see that I was up way up high on the bluffs of the Mississippi River overlooking a beautiful scenic view of the, of the river as it was flowing down south and I just stopped and I said thank you God thank you that in my distractions and in my frustrations in my feeling sometimes not really knowing where I'm at but just keeping on moving forward the best that I know how and that you've taken me to a higher place without me even really recognizing it and you've given me this beautiful view that I would have otherwise never seen Not everybody is privileged to see that view. It was a gated community. They don't just let anybody in there. But because of who I worked for, I was authorized to, to be there. Sometimes when God moves you and elevates you, it's because He's wanting you to see some things that nobody else is ever going to be able to see but you you stand with me today two things that I close with the angel of the Lord came again a second time touched him and said rise and eat because the journey is too great for thee God knows that you're never going to make this journey on your own he knows that you cannot make heaven on your own. The journey is too great. There's a gap that's, that's too wide between our sin and the place that Jesus has prepared for us to go. But that's not the end of the story. He's given us himself as the living bread, the bread of life. 
He's given his body as a sacrifice. He's given us sustenance that we can spiritually eat and consume and gives us the strength and the capabilities to reach a destination that he knows without him we'll never be able to reach. But you only get that when you get close enough to hear him whisper. second thing is he usually takes us to a higher place to prepare us to receive an anointing not everybody's concerned about being anointed brother Jones some people are happy just to live their life for the Lord and I'm sure I'm sure you'll get to heaven I, I imagine you will I, I, I don't see, if you follow the plan of salvation you may not walk in an, an anointing. Not everybody's willing to pay the price to walk in an anointing. Not everybody's willing to go down a road that will lead to an anointing. But if you really desire to live in a way where God can use you to anoint others, be prepared for some muddy back roads. Be prepared for some bumps. And sometimes in your life where it feels like you're not moving hardly at all and you're giving everything you got and you're just spinning your wheels. Because it's in those times where God is preparing you to hear a word from Him. Thank you for listening to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. You can follow this podcast for more great episodes from the Landmark family. If you are ever in our area, our doors are open on Sundays at 10 a.m. and Wednesday at 7 p.m. Thank you once again for listening to the Landmark Apostolic Church's podcast. God bless.